Hi, welcome to the Trauma Thrivers podcast. Delighted to have you with us. I'm Lula Bentz, your host, a psychotherapist, a trauma expert, and a survivor myself. Lovely to have you with us. The Trauma Thrivers podcast is for anybody who has been through any sort of developmental trauma or who has complex PTSD. This podcast aims to help educate, inspire and support those of us that are on a trauma healing journey. We've got stories, steps and various solutions to trauma to help you heal. If you'd like more information or tips or tools or strategies, please go to traumathrivers.com. You can also find this podcast on my YouTube channel, Lula Bent's Trauma Thrivers. If you'd like to join our community of thrivers, please find us on Facebook under Trauma Thrivers. Thank you so much for this month's sponsors who are Silkworth Lodge in Jersey. Silkworth provide residential treatment for people with alcohol or drug addiction. Alongside Silkworms, their support program for children aged 7 to 12 affected by the addiction of a family member. They've also got a new 13 to 18 year old adolescent service. Silkworth provide real end-to-end support to all of those affected by substance misuse. So for more details, please go to silkworthlodge.co.uk. I really hope you're going to get lots out of this episode. Today, I'm really delighted to introduce you all to Renee Michelle. Renee is a trauma specialist and a powerhouse in the trauma treatment field. Renee rebuilt her own life after experiencing decades of sexual, physical and psychological abuse, which commenced in childhood. She talks about this incredibly powerful and inspiringly in her memoir, Battle Scars Are Beautiful. So for more information on Renee, please visit her website at renemichelle.com. So welcome to Renee for joining us today at Trauma Thrivers. Thanks, Renee. So lovely to see you. you. I'm excited to be here. This is awesome. Oh, because yeah, it's evening time for you and morning time for me. It is, yet we still make it work, okay? Yes, yeah, and you look like you're bouncing with energy still. I really am. (laughs) You and I have been connected for quite some time. and We have. So you were saying just before we went live, it feels like we know each other and we've never met. So I'm excited to meet people. (laughs) Oh, brilliant. And I'm really excited for you to share what you know with the Trauma Thrivers group and audience as well. And I wondered if we could start a little bit with your story and your trauma story and how you got into this arena. Yeah, sure. So definitely. So my story started at around the age of 10. Up until then, everything was quite normal. We grew up in a small country town. I grew up riding horses and life was simple. And then I started to be abused by family friends uh, it started out as physical abuse. My, my family went through quite a significant trauma and my mum became an alcoholic. Okay. And unfortunately, her judgment became very impaired yeah. and she started to bring men home. 
and those men started to abuse me and I was afraid to tell her because I could tell she wasn't coping even at that young age I could tell she wasn't coping with what was going on so I was like a vault and I was too afraid to speak up and unfortunately that went on until I was 16 years old until I could leave home so I carried that shame and that secrecy and you know as we know around trauma it affects every area of our life so my grades um, started to fail I began being bullied at school because I I was a happily bubbly kid that then became very introverted I was afraid of boys I started self-harming started isolating and life just spiraled out of control for me And even into early um, adolescence and then into adulthood, I entered into domestic violence relationships. I developed a drug and alcohol addiction. I was so trying to mask and avoid the pain. And I still hadn't told anyone. Yeah, yeah. And I still carried this shame. I was so ashamed. Yes. I hadn't told, so I felt like I was responsible for what was happening. And then I felt even more shame for the drugs and the alcohol. And it was just layer upon layer upon layer. And every time I thought, you know what, I'm going to try really hard not to do that bad thing anymore. As we know, it's not that easy. (laughs) The moment I would slip again, more shame would come. And it was this constant spiral. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How on earth, and I'm sorry, that sounds like really, really atrocious and really horrendous, bless you. Mm. How the hell did you get out of it? It was a real rock bottom for moment for me. I attempted suicide twice. The earliest was at age 10, believe it or not. Mm. And then again at 17 uh, and then at 19. And that night that when I tried it at 19, I was in hospital for a week. I nearly needed a kidney transplant. I did a lot of, um, sorry, liver transplant, did a lot of damage to myself with a prescription medication overdose. Mm. And I was like, okay, I need to figure out how to do this. If I'm going to stay in this world, how do I do life? And I still really didn't understand. I went to TAFE. I tried to get qualifications to better my life. Yeah. But to be really honest with you and everyone who's listening, it wasn't until I had my daughter at age 26, which is a long time, that's 16 years after it began, that I looked down at this little human and I went, right, that's it for me. You need to nail this now. Yeah. Because little one did not ask to be brought into the world and I was really determined Lou to give her the life that I never had that was the moment that I became very radical about changing every part of my world so I developed new friendships I went to a local church I asked for help I went and saw specialists and I just admitted to myself that I couldn't do it anymore by myself yeah Amazing. And that was the turning point. And I still think, Renee, really, 26 in my experience of working with survivors, thank goodness, is still very young. It, you know what? It really is. And, and I'm really grateful you brought that up because, as we know, it's around 20 years before people disclose, 20 yeah. to 25 years. Yeah. 15 years. And if I hadn't have had my daughter, I hand on heart, I really don't know how long it would have taken 
or what my journey would have looked like. Yeah. And I say to her all the time, she's 18 now, and I say to her all the time, you literally saved me yes. and made me the best person I could be. Oh, that's amazing. And also very true that sometimes, especially with all of that shame that, that, that us survivors have, you know, sometimes we can do something for somebody else that we can't quite do for ourselves yet. Yeah, because I could see the beauty and the value in her, you know, that that motherly love yes. is is something that you can never define or, or describe. And I was fiercely protective because all of a sudden I was able to provide for a human what was not provided to me. Yeah. I was I took that role very seriously yeah, let me I'm tell sure you. you did and and on that score I'm sure lots of other people listening are wondering what actually did happen to your mom and the drinking and the the kind of addiction side there did she get well she definitely doesn't drink anymore her and I have quite a strained relationship it was many many years of me going through forgiveness and I really decided and and it was a choice I had to decide do I want this person in my life can I forgive her and it was five long years just around my relationship with my mum and I reached a point where I really could say yes I forgive you it still hurts and I still had to grieve not having the mum that I deserved but at the same time I realized you know what she didn't intentionally or knowingly put me in that situation. She was so in pain herself. She was self-medicating and she just did not see or have the ability to see what what she was doing and what was going on around her. Yeah, Yeah, well, I I hear you and I, I think that's amazing and empowering, but I guess that's the power of transgenerational and intergenerational trauma and you've become the one that's ended that lineage of trauma being passed down thank goodness to your daughter yeah and that was so important to me and it was something that I decided as I was going through um, counseling and psychotherapy we would have these discussions around really what do you want your future to look like not just for you but for your daughter And it was very much, I need to break this. So there was a lot of years of loneliness because the only friends I knew were addicts. Yeah. The only friends I knew were dysfunctional. And I had to completely clear the decks and spend a lot of time getting to know me away from that. And it was hard. And being a very social creature, it was very lonely at times. But I realised very quickly they actually weren't my friends. No. They were just familiar. I had to I had to learn a new familiar. Yeah. A healthy familiar. And that's what I did. Yeah, amazing. And looking back, were there any massive interventions or tools or techniques or methods that really, really helped you on your journey? Yeah, definitely. Restructuring my limiting beliefs was yeah. massive. So I talk a lot on resilience and I talk a lot about mindset. Um, I had a lot of very dysfunctional behaviours, people-pleasing, self-sabotage, procrastination. I had zero boundaries in my life. So I read a lot of books (laughs) and consumed a lot of content around how to develop those strategies and things in my life. I 
had grown up my whole life thinking I wasn't allowed to have a voice, that I didn't have one, that I was disempowered, that I had no choice. All of a sudden, when I started going, actually, I don't think that that's true. And I started learning what assertiveness is. I started to find myself and I started to feel strong and I started to like myself. Whereas before I hated myself because all I saw was this weak person and I knew deep down inside I really wasn't. To survive that, we are so strong, yet we limit ourselves and we reduce who we think we are. So once I started to rebuild that and say, no, that's not reality. I'm actually strong. I'm valuable. I have something to offer that's when things started to change for me. Massive. Okay. And and on the kind of limiting beliefs front, was there anything particular that helped you start to shift those from the, you know, the negative beliefs to the more empowering positive beliefs? For me, I developed a faith. I started going to church and became quite active in a very healthy non-judgmental supportive church family so they literally were the first people in my whole life that said what can we do to help you what do you need do you know I didn't even know how to answer that I just cried because I'd never been asked that question not once by a family member by a friend, by an associate, by someone I worked with, because I was great at wearing this mask that said, hey, I've got it all together. Yeah. But inside yeah. I was dying. Yeah. So I started to listen to them and I developed mentors, people that were doing things in the world that I looked up to and admired and respected. So I started to emulate certain behaviours that I admired yeah. and that really did help me develop and rebuild my identity as who I am today someone of worth yeah and somebody who is out there as a survivor in the world with her own voice and you know we were talking about before we hit record about you know finding our voices in on the recovery journey particularly from childhood sexual abuse it's quite difficult to find your voice and feel empowered and put your story out there. And then you mentioned about something to me that was going on in Australia and, 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 and I nearly fell off my chair. And I wonder whether you could tell the listeners, you know, mm. what you told me, because I, I, I was gobsmacked, Renee. Yeah, yeah, look, we, we know that our government has a lot to learn. We know that the powers that be have a lot to learn when it comes to trauma and abuse and giving survivors a voice and a right to be heard. Now, unfortunately, a state here in Australia, Victoria, one of our southern states got this terribly wrong recently and announced what is basically a gag order. So sexual, sexual violence victims could not disclose their identity or that of their abusers um, or we could risk going to jail for 10 years. Now, this obviously just sparked absolute outrage across the nation. Other states have tried to do this in the past and it has been overturned. So when this happened in Victoria a couple of months ago, advocates like myself and a whole group of us absolutely you know just went bananas but we banded together 
Yeah. We actually started letting our voices be heard. We uh, designed a petition and we petitioned Parliament here in Australia, particularly Victoria. And thank God yesterday we have had this tabled for now. They listened. Yeah. I had a very close friend of mine in Victoria actually speak in Parliament. She's a survivor. And they have admitted that they need to revisit this and need to give it the attention it deserves before they allow anything like this to go ahead in Parliament. Yeah. I mean, gosh, how untrauma-informed is that? And also how re-traumatising. It was you know, very shocking. Yeah, shocking. Yeah. We fight for a voice. We fight yes. to be heard. Um, I know personally, you know, from the age of 10, I was told I didn't have a voice, that no one cares what you have to say, no one will believe you, no one, you know, you don't exist, you're invisible. So to have the powers that be our government who are supposed to protect, serve and empower their community and society to then strip us once again of even more right to be heard, it was devastating. But the most exciting thing is, and we know we are stronger together, and now we have been heard. So they have agreed that they will table this and revisit us, but actually listen to the stories of lived survivors and let us give our voice to us saying, if we want to be heard, we should have that choice. Totally, because I think part of the healing journey is actually coming out and being able to with your story and I mean I don't know how long ago you did it publicly but for me mine wasn't that long ago so I don't know when you could come out and have you told your story out there and on yes. yeah so I started sharing just little bits of my story about 17 years ago because I was wow. working at a rehab center with young women okay. so I started seeing the power of sharing your story but again very minute details because I was still healing. Yes. But fast forward to last year and I actually authored my memoir and it was published here in Australia and it's now reached four out of seven continents and it's oh. doing really, really well. Amazing. And, that, and that's opened doors to speak publicly. I've since worked with our local police force with specialist detectives to Great. help them deal with adult survivors who now report that 30, 40, 50 years later. Great. Because they want to get it right. And it's and it's lovely to know that they want to get it right. So, yeah, yeah so the speaking opportunities, um, I've just been named ambassador for Stepping Out, which is an organisation in Sydney that predominantly focuses on helping female survivors of childhood, childhood sexual abuse. Amazing. And what's the title of the book? Battle Scars Are Beautiful. From victim uh, to victory. Oh, victim to victory. I love that because it's a bit like my survivor to thriver. Yes, yes. You know, becoming a victor or becoming a thriver after a journey of kind of trauma, thriving sometimes or victory seems to feel like it's so far away. But I know that you really want to empower, you know, people and survivors to say, you can be a victor and you can thrive and you can get through this. Yeah, look, absolutely. And everybody's journey is so different. You know this. And yeah. I think comparison can really be such an enemy when you're trying to overcome any challenge, not just trauma, but any type of challenge. And, 
we have to be kind to ourselves. We have to understand that your journey is separate and different to mine. And it's not linear. No. We don't just keep moving forward. We go two forward, 10 back. It's exactly that. Yeah. <laughs> the amount of times I say that in my sessions with people is, is unbelievable. Yeah. Always. Right. Yeah. It's just getting up and dust yourself off and go okay well that didn't work so well but I'm still here and you just keep going and it's one day at a time one day at a time sometimes depending on where you are in your journey it's moment to moment yes and it's okay but yes. you can heal you just have to get this right and you have to believe in yourself and get the right people around you, which is just so vital. And that's why I love your group. I was so excited to come oh. along and, and find you there. And we've been chatting ever since. Yeah, we have. We have. And we've been chatting too about your groups and what you're doing and that you've got a closed Facebook group now, actually for survivors specifically. So I wonder whether you might be able to tell the audience a bit more about that because it, yeah. it, it might resonate with them. Sure. So I do predominantly work with female survivors of abuse, and that is domestic violence, emotional abuse, narcissistic abuse, and sexual abuse and violence. Now, I've got a private Facebook group called Women Empowering Women from Victim to Victory. So it is very empowering. It's not a crisis group. It is a bunch of women. I think I've got 110. This is a, a free group. 110 ladies in there and we're constantly just motivating each other sharing our wins sharing our hard days but also using it as an opportunity to go you know what you're not in this alone and then I have a private subscription which is a paid subscription and that is called the victorious woman oh. and we've been going since the first of September and that has been amazing and I was saying before we went live that I had the amazing Madeline Black in there last amazing. week because every month we have guest speakers from all over the world come in and devote a whole hour to just talk about whatever they like, whatever's on their heart to share. And we Lovely. do masterminds, we do weekly coaching sessions, we do um, vision board exercises, oh. mindset, you know, hacks. And it's just a fun place to hang out. And, and, and it's, yeah, it's going really well. Okay. Uh, lovely. Sounds amazing. And I'm sure some of the Trauma Thrivers group would find that really, really helpful too. So we'll put a link up to that definitely yeah. on the YouTube video. So thank you for that. So now what's, what's there for you? What's your next steps? What's your next plans? What's my next plan? World domination. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, getting more survivors, I hope, into, into recovery and, and becoming victors of their story would be nice. Yeah. Look, community. We know that healing happens in community. It doesn't yeah. happen in isolation. And look, COVID's been really difficult yes. for many reasons, but it's also been a blessing in some ways because it's forced people to be resourceful. It's forced people out of their comfort zone to consume more podcasts, to um, concentrate more on their health and well-being. And I know for myself, I've consumed more books and podcasts in the last this year than probably any other year. And that's because I wanted to make use of my time because we know that when we're idle, our brains can get a little bit haywire. 
So I've been focusing on exercise, nutrition, and just really feeding my body. So we've been talking a lot about that in the groups as well. So never before have we needed community more than we do now. And this is where healing happens. We're there for each other. We're stronger together. So I'm all about, I'm always on Facebook, just giving lots of teaching and value for free, just talking. Just, I just want people to be able to go, you know what, I'm struggling today. It's really nice to connect and hear a positive message. And much yeah. like your group of just creating a safe space yeah. where people yeah. can feel heard and valued and loved. Lovely. I love it. And I love what you're doing. And I love that our communities are connected. And if there's any way that I can help support you, please let me know because I'm just really grateful for your time today in supporting the trauma thrivers community and sharing what is such an inspiring story. You know what? We all have a story, don't we? Every single one of us. And it wasn't until I wrote my book that now I'll sit down with someone. I'm like, you need to write a book. You need to write a book. How was that process? Because, you know, I haven't even written my first book yet. It was amazing. I'm so glad that I did it because I I see a book and and this is what it was for me as a key that has opened doors. Yes. And I said at the outset, I don't want to be JK Rowling. I don't want to be a millionaire. That's not why I wrote my book. I wrote my book because I thought if I can give hope to one person, I've done my job on the earth as far as I'm concerned. And I think we are given challenges to take the gold out of and then give back, to sow back into the world from what we learn. And I'm just really, really grateful that I had the opportunity to do that. And now I hear from people all over the world on a weekly basis saying, oh, my gosh, I resonated with this part of your story. I'm now back in counselling or I've gone back to church or now I feel like I've been given you know, an opportunity to be heard. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's such an honor to hear those stories. So it wasn't, it was a lot more difficult than I thought. I learned a lot and um, I dare say there'll be more to come, but I just, yeah, I'm just enjoying this first one for now. Yes, yes, yes. And you enjoy it and, and all the accolades and all the help and Yeah, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. I knew it would be. And uh, I'm really glad that we've connected. And even though we're thousands of miles away, you know, in in space, we're not very far away in terms of how we both think and want to help survivors and people thrive. So thank you, Renee. Oh, and thanks for having me. And I just, I love being a part of your group and seeing everything that you're doing. I just... I'm so, so grateful that as a community, we're, we're all in different parts of the world, but we all have the same mission, which is to yes. give back and help other people. So um, I'm excited about that. So thank you. Oh, pleasure. And together we're stronger, I always think, too. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just great to be connected. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you take care. Thank you. You hope too. We'll catch up soon. Yes. Sending lots of love and I'll put the links up at the end here again to all of your website and book, etc, etc, so that if people want to find out more, they can just click on the links. Yeah, for sure. I respond to every message personally. So if they send me a 
no problem. You will hear back from the Aussie girl. <laughs> that is amazing. All right. Lots of love. You take care. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope it helped you in some way and I really hope to see you back here soon. If you have anything to share on today's experience or podcast, please nip over to the YouTube channel or the Facebook group Trauma Thrivers and let us know there.